This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Alan Clark at The Hollies, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin Welcome back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon Media. Uh, Pleased, as always, to be part of this uh, vast Pantheon podcast network. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Megaphone, Podbay, 40-odd podcast platforms. Very easy to find. Just Google us, right? Um, All right. So this episode, um, this is episode 72, and we are going to be calling this episode... Lee Kerslake and Ken Hensley. Um, Basically, as uh, all of you out there in the hard rock, classic rock community know, um, we recently lost uh, Lee Kerslake September 19th of this year, not very long ago, at the age of 73 after a long battle with uh, cancer. And uh, just a few days ago, uh, we lost Ken Hensley, November 4th, 2020, at the age of 75. Um... Yes, very bittersweet for me. I've interviewed both of these guys before and many Heap members. And in fact, uh, on November uh, 2nd, it was, uh, what do we got here? Yes, November 2nd, it was, I interviewed uh, Mick Box. Um, The band has a new massive box set out called 50 Years in Rock. Basically, every single studio album, all the way up to the awesome, awesome Bernie Shaw years. Um, And it's got a reworked magician's birthday thing and uh, a big booklet, 64-page booklet. Um, And it's also got these little greatest hits albums uh, picked by, uh, you know, favorite songs picked by Lee uh, before he died. Uh, Mick, uh, Paul Newton, early bassist, and uh, and Ken. and um, so, yeah, I talked to Mick that day. I was supposed to talk to Ken that day. Um, and then that got um, moved to November 11th. And then three days later or two days later, uh, we lost Ken. It was all very sudden. Uh, Mick didn't know about it. I kind of I get the gist afterwards that Mick didn't know um, he was unwell. Um, and from other industry insiders, uh, buddies of mine, uh, you know, he Ken was working his usual enthusiastic, energetically on his next uh solo album so um so yeah it was all very sudden and it's just been been called uh, about uh basically cause of death brief illness um so yeah so uh 
I was going to get Ken's take, and like I say, Ken Ken was um, you know participating in this in this box set. Um, Uriah Heep, it's interesting. I I looked back because I I don't want to repeat songs for you guys. Not that you know anybody's going to remember that. Hey, I used that thirty second clip earlier, but we've already um, featured Heap on the episode called "The Blank Deep Purple." So they were kind of like the other Deep Purple. Um, uh, choirs of Angels. They were one of the original bands, uh, you know, Beach Boys before them with this whole idea of these massive, massive five-part harmonies uh, or large harmonies, whatever. Uh, we even included them on the Foreigner Effect episode uh, when they were doing that, um, you know, more soulful kind of uh, abominog headfirst equator period. I also included them on uh, the Who Invented Heavy Metal episode way, way back because of how awesome, very heavy, very humble is and how important it is in the invention of heavy metal right there in the middle of uh, 1970. Um, so, yeah, we've had Heap here a few times. This is obviously a little bit of a sadder occasion uh, to include Heap, but we are here to celebrate all this great stuff. So I've I've uh, selected some tunes to celebrate these uh, these two icons of rock. Um, that we just recently uh, lost, leaving Mick Box as the last man standing from that classic lineup. Um, we'll a little more on that a little later. Um, but uh, let's get into our first selection here. Uh, take a listen to this. This is uh, Easy Living from Demons and Wizards, 1972. This is a place I've never seen before, and I've been. All right, so 1972, this is episode 72, and this is also when uh, Lee Kerslake, the drummer, joins the band. There were a couple of drummers before him, um, but he's coming into the band. But, you know, he was with Ken in previous bands, Gods and Toe Fat, um, but here he is in the band. Um, this is this is uh, one of the big things about Uri Heap. They do the wah-wah pedal a lot. They've got the harmonies, but they also do the shuffle a lot. And I asked Mick uh, a few days ago about Lee, um, and this is what he said to me. He goes, with Lee, what can I say? Lee had his own style. I mean, for instance, the shuffle on Easy Living is a Lee Kerslake shuffle. So many people try and play Easy Living, but they never get the drum pattern right. It's just unique to Lee. It was his take on a shuffle, but it became very, very powerful. Lee had a lot to offer. He came in. He was a good looking boy. He was a powerhouse. He had the fastest bass drum foot I think I've ever heard. Way before when people used double bass drums and double bass drum pedals, he did all that with one foot. He just had a really laid back style that just suited everything we were doing. He fitted in 100%. Now all the drummers prior to that all had their own thing. I'm not knocking anyone at all. It's just that when we found Lee, he was at the top of his game. And to be honest, if you quoted back then the top five drummers in the world, rock drummers that is, Lee's name would be there. Very cool. Um, and I asked him about Lee's, uh, you know, life outside of uh, of the band, you know, his hobbies. He said he was a fisherman. He loved fishing. No matter what it was, whether it was standing on a bank on the side, side uh, or at the end of a pier uh, or, or on a boat out deep sea fishing, he just loved fishing. It was his great love. So, uh, so that's, uh, you know, and it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, I listen to Easy Living again and, and yeah, the shuffle has all these subtleties to it and he does different things on different shuffles. There's stealing, of course, um, 
few other ones. You you think of um you think of um Roger Earl in Foghat. He does a shuffle himself, and and you can see him over the years as he's getting older, straightening some of these out and maybe taking a few things out. And and then you know young drummers come in and they just think you can powerhouse through these songs and not shuffle them. So the shuffle is a very subtle thing, uh, hard to get right. You know, I'm personally uh, I've I've been on record before saying I'm not a fan of shuffles, and I I kind of kind of aren't uh, but then when I go back and play there's a lot of cool shuffles in the world and Bill Ward did a lot of shuffling too in Black Sabbath as well right um, okay so let's move on um, this is track number two take a listen to this this is Suicidal Man All right, this is one of the cool, cool mid-period heavies uh, from the band. This is from Wonderworld, June 22nd, 74. I wanted to pick songs um, where Ken and Lee were both in the band, uh, and this is one of those. And this actually has the whole band writing it. Um, so this is Mick Box, Ken Hensley, Gary Thane, uh, David Byron, the vocalist, and uh, and Lee is credited up, uh, up on this as well. And just incidentally, I mean, Lee... Lee is on every Uriah Heap album since he joined, except for Conquest. I'll get to that in a minute. He's briefly out of the band, uh, which is uh, which is 1980. So he's not on Conquest. Not a very good album, by the way, either. Um, but he's quickly back into the band for Abominog, and he was in the band all the way up through uh, all that 80s period into sort of the um, you know the pause in the 90s, but then getting going really again for Sea of Light. And he was there right up until his uh, his retirement in 2007. He just he just couldn't do it anymore. Um, so basically, he had to bow out. And uh, yeah, he he was replaced by Russell Gilbrook, who's awesome. He's just a killer, killer drummer. If you see Heap Live and, and see him and Mick, you know, battling it out on Magician's Birthday. Very cool. Great, great drummer. Um, but anyways, um, so there you go. That was Suicidal Man. Um, let's take a short break, but there is something I want to read on the uh, on the uh, promotional front. Um, here we go. Pain and beauty, rebellion and unity, noise and harmony. Celebrate the history of music with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2020 inductions, honoring Depeche Mode, the Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, Nine Inch Nails, the Notorious B.I.G. and T-Rex, streaming November 7th on HBO Max. Head to Pantheon, uh, the survey section, to fill out a very brief survey to be entered to win one of 30 of the limited edition HBO Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony posters or one of 30 Doobie Brothers live from the Beacon Theater Blu-ray sets. All right, so back again here on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. This episode is episode 72, Lee Kerslake and Ken Hensley. Um... Let's play this next selection and we'll we'll discuss. This is uh, Ozzy Osbourne with Steal Away the Night.
All right, so what we have here is Lee Kerslake uh, and Bob Daisley, uh, you know, two old uh, war horses. Uh, Lee, is, Lee is English, Bob is, uh, is a transplant to England from Australia. Um, and then you've got Ozzy, he's obviously an English legend, and then you've got this young guitarist, Randy Rhodes. Anyways, Lee Kerslake is in the band for the Blizzard of Oz album and Diary of a Madman. Obviously, his signature cool thing that he does is that intro to Over the Mountain. Um, but uh, here he is, you know, rocking away on Steal Away the Night, kind of a darker, deeper track um, on this record. Um, so yeah, he's a big part of the sound of these great two Ozzy, uh, Ozzy Osbourne albums. Um, and then basically what happens is um, there's acrimony, there's a breakup of the band somewhat, um, and uh, he's replaced by Tommy Aldridge. And Lee is very quickly back into the band for the awesome, awesome Uri Heap album, Abominog. Uh, one of the cool things that happened recently, good buddies of mine, Pat Jesswaldo and, uh, and Jimmy K, um, part of the, uh, well, the, the basically the two top guys at the Hall of Heavy Metal History, uh, they recently inducted, uh, they, they got Lee inducted into the Hall, and in January 2019, they brought Lee over from England at great expense to themselves, and... Um, and and a lot of difficulty for Lee because he was he was quite gravely ill with cancer at the time, um, but they brought him over to L.A. for the induction ceremony into the hall. And the other great thing they did is um, you know they worked with Sharon Osbourne to get uh, you know get past some of that acrimony, and uh, they got platinum album awards for Lee for Diary and uh, Blizzard of Oz. I think it was both of them, and and presented these to uh, Lee. And Lee was just just over the moon. This was one of his dying wishes to get these uh, gold records uh, and then Ozzy sent in a note I'm so glad that Lee, Lee Kerslake is enjoying his Blizzard and Diary Platinum albums uh, I hope you feel better love Ozzy um, so that was very cool that they got that done for Lee um, you know be, before he passed um Okay, so so there he is. He's in this band. Um, he's a big part of the sound of this band. It's a very unique sound. Um, you know, Lee almost sounds a little bit like, um, production-wise, he's produced a little bit like Randy. I know that might be kind of a weird thing to say. Um, you know, Randy is obviously uh, a way busier part of the band than Lee, but but the production, they, they just seem to go together uh, really well in this band. So that, that, so that was really cool. Um, okay, so let's move on. Uh, in this celebration of these uh, fallen uh, Uriah Heap legends. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Blackfoot with Sail Away. All right, so the interesting thing, uh, Ken Hensley moves to the States eventually, um, and he, he um, where's my note about Ken? Oh, yeah, there, yeah I've got this stuff to, to say that makes it about Ken later. Uh, but anyways, um, so Ken moves to uh, moves to St. Louis, and he actually gets into the, after, after his stint in Blackfoot, he actually gets into the uh, musical gear industry. So he's talking to all these rockers. All these rockers are just, just loving calling up and getting Ken Hensley on the phone. And, and you're like, wow, this is so cool. I'm dealing with Ken. Wow. Um, cause Ken's a great guy. Um, 
You know, I got to say, one one of the neat things about Ken is when you would interview him, I remember he explained to me once that he was always perfectly, perfectly willing to do interviews and explain to people and teach them about the industry and tell people about the history of your IHEAP. He was very good that way uh, in, in wanting to just keep the story alive and uh, and help people in the rock and roll business. So that, that was a cool thing about Ken. He eventually ended up... Um, moving to Spain and he, uh, and he died in Spain. Um, but yeah, so in this period, so, uh, so this song that you heard, he's a, he's a co-writer on this song. He joins Blackfoot. It seems like a very weird choice. This is this heavy Southern rock band, which we actually just, um, featured on the last episode of History in Five Songs called Southern Rot. Um, because basically Ken is on two Blackfoot albums, the awesome, amazing Siogo album, May 83, and then the really crappy album, Vertical Smiles, 84. Um, so I don't know what that says about Ken. Maybe it says that Ken wasn't the guy to turn around Blackfoot because he's on a really great Blackfoot album and a really lousy Blackfoot album. But he is so great on um, Siogo. First track he's a co-writer on, uh, Send Me an Angel, which is the best song in the album, pretty much. And this is just a really good up-tempo. Uh, you know, he, he probably does change the band a little bit because the keyboards are coming in and they become this very commercial sort of sounding band, but still really heavy and purposeful. And that's what I like about this album. So he's on two Blackfoot albums and then and then he's gone after that, which is which is kind of pretty cool. Um okay, so let's move on. Um let's play our uh, our fifth track here. Uh this is Ken Hensley from his solo career. This is something called The Voice of Love. No All right, so there you go. There's Ken from um, an album called The Last Dance, uh, 2003. Uh, Ken, you know, as a one of the cool things, I wanted to put him on here as the last track because Ken was really, really, really prolific. He he did many, many solo albums. Some of them are a little confusing. He did some with, uh, you know, X Your I Heap uh, singer John Lawton, and he's got a bunch of live stuff, and he's got this band situation sort of called Live Fire. Um, but... Um, but yeah, basically, uh, you know, even early on, um, he he was in there doing solo albums. He had Proud Words on a Dusty Shelf, 1973. He had Eager to Please, 1975. And then Free Spirit, 1980. Uh, he was basically out of the band... Um, his last album was Conquest, that la- that not very good album, and he was never back into Uriah Heap. One interesting thing Mick just told me, and I'm kind of embarrassed to uh, to say that I didn't know this, but on this interview with Mick a few days ago, uh, all of the slide guitar that you heard in Heap when Ken was in the band, Mick said all of that was Ken. Um, none of that was Mick. So Mick is Mick is obviously the uh, you know the the trademark thing about Mick is that burbly you know buoyant wah wah thing. And obviously Mick's a huge writer in the band and one of the leaders of the band. Um, but yeah, so Ken you know known for 
Of course, the big grinding Hammond organ sound, obviously that's the big thing Ken brought to the band, and that's where those comparisons with Deep Purple uh, come about. So Ken is a is a chief writer in the band. Uh, oddly enough, though, he didn't write at all on the first album. Um, I guess all that material was, was maybe done as he's coming into the band or something like that. Um, maybe not. Uh, but anyways, he's not a writer on the first album, but he becomes a writer, and I'm going to read you a, a quote in a, in a second about that. Um, but but he's also uh, he's also a guitarist in the band, right? Uh, and yeah, that's cool. So every time you hear slide, which is a big part of the Yerai Heap sound, um, you know he's he's in there doing all the slide that you ever hear uh, in Heap. So that's kind of cool. But uh, yeah, so 1980 he had Free Spirit. Um, then we've got From Time to Time, A Glimpse of Glory. Uh, yeah, so there's a big big chunk there in the 90s where he's not really doing much. Um, but Runnin' Blind, The Last Dance, which you heard this from, The Wizard's Diary, Volume 1, Cold Autumn Sunday in 2005, Elements, with, which is an anthology, Inside the Mystery, a compilation, Blood on the Highway, 2007. I suppose that's the last time I got to interview uh, uh, Ken. He had this this big set that came out um, that was really kind of innovative. It went with the book, you know, kind of autobiography. But the CD was like embossed and die cut and all this. And it was really cool. Um, so that was Blood on the Highway. Live Fire DVD, um, uh, Blood on the Highway concert, Love and Other Mysteries, Live Tales, Rare and Timeless. So... He made a lot of records over the years. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of them, and most, you know, most Heat fans probably wouldn't be a big fan of them because he goes through a lot of musical areas. I mean, almost consider it a little bit of that your I Heap Conquest and you know, Fallen Angel and Firefly and Return to Fantasy even a little bit, uh, come to life and even get lighter. I mean, there's a lot of light music, uh, you know, mix it. You know, one thing, he became kind of a born-again Christian uh, eventually. And I remember seeing a Mick quote one time when he, when he, where he chuckled and said, yeah, he became a born-again Christian because he had, he had a lot more sins than us to atone for. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Um, but... Uh, I bring that up because maybe that goes hand in hand with the music being a lot mellower, a lot more easy listening. Um, you know, not, he, he, he wasn't much of a heavy metal guy, um, throughout his solo career. Um, but yeah, uh, what else did I want to say? Okay. So, so the other thing about, um, about Ken is that, uh, so, so Mick said, um, I asked him about, um, Ken's hobbies. He says his hobby was 100% racing cars. He actually at one point had his own racing team. Mick goes, if you've got a lot of money, you want to invest it and then lose it. A racing team is a good way to do it. It's a very expensive hobby to keep going. A lot of upkeep on the cars and drivers, da, 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 da. And the transportation from each race meeting. Oh man, 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 wicked. Um, and then I asked him about, uh, Ken and the writing thing. He goes, we had, you know, early on, we had a good relationship, and here he is being a little tactful. Um, basically, um, you know, they did have a falling out. They did struggle over, over, you know, songwriting, whose songs are kind of going to get on the album, stuff like that as time went on. The writing of, say, Box, Byron Hensley was strong because we were all connected creatively and in the right space and everything else. I think Ken just took that a step further. He became very creative in writing good songs, and we sort of went that route, if you like. He never said, I'm doing this, you're not doing this this there was none of that and whatever was brought to the table was agreeable by everybody concerned so you can read a little bit between the lines there um 
you know, uh, Ken did become a a great and and, uh, and forceful writer uh, in this band, and uh, and it did cause some problems. And yeah, I mean, I, I suppose you could hear that later solo career coming out on those records because yeah, I, you know, most ha- fans are not as much of a fan of those uh, albums as they are of Demons and Wizards, Magician's Birthday, Look at Yourself. You know, my favorite Heap album, the first one. I'm not a Salisbury fan, um, but. Um, but yeah, there's that. Um, and yeah, I did want to just mention, you know, this idea uh, of, unfortunately, of uh, of Mick now being the last man standing from that uh, lineup. So just to give you a little history, I mean, the bass player that they loved and had in there eventually after, you know, uh, Paul Newton was Gary Thane. And, uh, and they lost Gary Thane to a heroin overdose. Um December 8th, 1975, 27 years old. So he's part of that 27 club. You never hear that, do you? Because huh? he's not famous enough, I guess. Uh, and then David Byron, their classic, classic, amazing frontman, lead singer, one of the greatest voices uh, in rock. You know, I always say that that's nothing to laud a person for. Usually their voice is uh, is just kind of the God-given thing. But he was a great, great singer as well. And, uh, you know, I asked Mick a little bit about David as a lyricist. And he said, no, he was great with lyrics. He was on he was on, on point. He was ready with lyrics all the time. Obviously, he had quite a bad drinking problem. And that, that kind of got him bounced out of the band. Um, but... Eventually, it's a little bit sad, like the Brian Connolly from Sweet Story, I guess. But David Byron died uh, age 38, February 28th, 1985, long after he was out of the band. About, I guess it's nine years after he was out of the, out of the band. So there you have it. I mean, but the, the happy story here is... Uriah Heep has had an amazing, amazing lineup um, with the likes of Bernie Shaw, who's now been there for like 30 years or something, and they've made a string of amazing records. So they've had a very stable lineup. Phil Lanzon is in there. Obviously, Lee Kerslake was there, but he can't be anymore. Davey Rimmer joined in 2013 on bass. He's a great addition to the band as well, brings some young blood to the band, as does Russell. Um, But... um, You've got you've got the three old legends in there, Bernie, Phil, and Mick, right? Uh, and they are killing it live. They're amazing live, and their records are are incredible. You know, "Living the Dream" uh, is the latest, and it's a great album. And you know, and Mick said about this box set, it's like this is only a marker. I mean, we're planning on making more music, um, so he's he's glad that they've made it the fifty years, and they've had this great box set come out. But he says, "Hey, man, there's more to come from us." So, but yes, he is the last man standing from that lineup. He's literally the the only guy left alive from that classic uh, lineup of uh, of Thane. Hensley, Mick, Lee, and David. Um, there you go. There is our tribute show to uh, Lee Kerslake and Ken Hensley. If you liked this show and want to support future episodes of this show, please go to Kofi, rhymes with no fee, dot com uh, slash Martin Popoff. You can hit the red support button there. Uh, they've kind of got this $3 thing going. Um, it's sort of buy me a coffee, buy me a pint kind of thing. Um, and, and on that front, I mean, it's it's been going great. You guys have been great supporters. We've got, um, you know, all, always in there. Uh, I want to thank this time Augustine Garcia de Paredes, Ed Legg, Melissa Nee, Dave Fisher, Kevin Jason Leonard, Blaze Barshaw, Jeremy French, and Brian Sager. Um, 
you can go to our History and Five Songs Facebook page and comment on all the. I love reading the comments on all these episodes. One day I'm going to do an episode. I keep threatening to do this where, but I but I'm trying to figure out how you how you not have the the pauses and the spaces as I read comments. I want to I want to scroll through and read people's comments and and comment on them and and you know. Uh, agree, disagree with certain things that are brought up because you guys are really smart. I mean, you've actually, you know, in a lot of cases brought up bands where I thought, ah, oh, I should have included them. I should have talked about them or at least an honorable mention or, you know, said something how they fit into the whole thing because, you you know, you're constantly surprising me with great um, additions to episodes that unfortunately have passed because here you are commenting on it on an episode you've read um other than that you can go to martinpopoff.com um you know i've got lots and lots of books uh, still in print this is the busy time of year this is where i get a lot of christmas present requests and i'm glad to sign you know long things whatever you want me to sign to whoever you want to give this book to and i can mail it directly there or to you or whatever um, but yeah november i get a lot of christmas orders um so i sign them ship them out of here there's paypal buttons uh, again that's all at martinpopoff.com so there you go. Your assignment is uh, to go away and listen to some of this Uriah Heap. And, you know, and, and on a happy note, why don't you end with some uh, some Live in the Dream? Because uh, what a great Uriah Heap album. Uh, you can see where the band is going and uh, play some of that old stuff to see uh, where the band has been. Because what an incredible, incredible catalog with many, many um, different eras to it. Thanks very much. We shall talk to you next time. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.